Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, and he is my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, we might as well start with the bit of draft news for the Green Bay Packers that came out late last week, and that is that the Packers have been awarded four compensatory draft picks in right. the upcoming 2018 draft. To make sure I get this right, it is a fourth-rounder two fifth rounders mm -hmm. and a sixth rounder you did you aced so, it Mike. all right so those four draft picks being added to what uh, the Packers already had um, and we'll get into a bit of a discussion here about how those are determined I think you know more about this than I do because I still get confused by this whole process but anyway um, new general manager Brian Gutekunst he's got quite a haul of picks here for his first draft as general manager. He does. I mean, those four compensatory picks, as, as we talked about before, that now puts the Packers, since they started the process, second all-time to the Baltimore Ravens. I think they're like five or six behind them. Uh, this has been a tried-and-true method. When you have a draft-and-developed team, you do most of your work through the draft, and you're going to see some of those guys leave on second and third contracts. This is the benefit to it. So for the Green Bay Packers, the fourth rounder, the two-fifths, the six, that is going to give them 12 in this upcoming draft when you factor in the compensatory pick. I shouldn't say compensatory, but the corresponding pick that they're going to be receiving for Laurente McCray in that trade back in 2016 from the, with the Buffalo Bills. So with those picks, they're even more leveraged now, Mike, than they used to be because back in the day – all of two years ago, <laughs> you couldn't trade those compensatory picks. You right. had to, you had, you had had to, to use them. That spot, so yeah. now that gives Gutekunst a little bit more ammunition, too, if he wants to move up in the middle rounds or whatever he wants to do, um, has that in his back pocket as well. Yeah, and just uh, you know, for history's sake, it's worth pointing out some of the players that the Packers have acquired with compensatory draft picks in the past. Josh Sitton certainly comes to mind. Um, Mike Daniels. Mike Daniels is probably the biggest one. Probably the biggest one of, yeah. uh, of of the bunch. There are others as well. As you said, this is uh, this is sort of a tried and true method for a draft and develop team because, yes, the compensatory picks are slotted from the end of the third round to the end of the seventh round. So you're not talking about you know a top fifty right. draft pick here, but it gives a general manager more picks, more swings at the plate, more ammunition to either move around or to compile selections because as we all know there are draft picks that don't work out nobody right. bats a thousand in the draft but the more picks you're able to acquire the greater chance you have of of say a seventh rounder turning out to be donald driver and becoming your all-time leading receiver exactly i thought ron wolf is the one that has the ultimate line in terms of how you approach the draft it is going to the plate it is baseball you're swinging, you want as many swings as you can because naturally you're going to miss on some. It's yep. just the way the game is played. And the teams that go through a draft and don't miss tend to be the ones that end up competing for Super Bowl championships within a year or two afterwards. The Green Bay Packers are a good example of that in 2009. You also look at you know the Seattle Seahawks and what, what they did in 2011. Compensatory picks are a part of the process, Mike. And you mentioned, you know, obviously Mike Daniels, Josh Sitton, but even the Blake Martinez's and, you know, Dean Lowry's of the world That's as well. Right. Those and those were like back to back fourth round compensatory picks just a couple years ago. Yeah, and so I mean those were the picks the Packers got when they lost Devon House and also Tremont Williams to free agency. And the story I always tell is they ended up getting back the same exact pick for Devon House as what they used on him in 2011 <laughs> through that process. That so was kind of crazy how it that is, worked out. how that works yeah. out. And for the Packers' perspective, you look at it, they lost Jared Cook, Micah Hyde, Eddie Lacy, TJ Lang, Julius Peppers, J.C. Treader in unrestricted free agency. Guys who all had their contracts expire signed elsewhere. They only signed one outside 
unrestricted free agent Jari Evans that counted towards the formula since Martellus Bennett was released before week week 10, I believe. He doesn't actually count towards that. So this is probably the greatest mystery, kind of almost like the baseball arbitration in Major League Baseball. I don't ever really understood that process either, but where they take into account the contract, they take into account the playing time, and they take into account you know any accomplishments the player had. Nine times out of nine, it really seems like it is ultimately the contract that yeah. decides this. And as we'll probably talk about a little bit more in the second segment, the fact that you really had some of these other teams that had guys that averaged contracts above $10 million a year is the reason why the Packers ended up not getting a third rounder, which historically has been, I mean, that that's probably as, as important uh, as a compensatory pick gets because you're still picking in those first two days. So you've seen the draft formula chart and how important those middle round picks can be and how valuable they can be. Uh, this, as you said early on, Mike, for Brian Gutekunst, an opportunity now for him to go into this draft with that much ammunition is going to really behoove him in the, in the long run. Yeah. I mean, I look at this as, you know, when you get say an extra fourth round pick here, like the Packers have, you know, you mentioned get Martinez and Lowry being back to back compensatory picks in the fourth round. You, when you have multiple picks in the middle rounds like that, that's where, you know, you end. You might use your regular fourth round pick on David Bakhtiari, right. and you get a hit right there. But you, but the flip side of it is, you might use your regular fourth round pick on a guy who doesn't work out. But then be, that later fourth round pick in the in the compensatory selections becomes the guy that does work yeah. out. You probably had both of those guys rated about the same. But because you had the two picks within a span of 15 or 20 there within the fourth round, you got a great chance to hit on one. The perfect example of this is probably the 2012 draft with Mike Daniels. Uh, If you go back to that year, Mike, the player that everybody thought was going to be the real difference maker as far as the defensive line concerned was Jarrell Worthy. And no disrespect to Jarrell Worthy, it just didn't work out for him in Green Bay as a second-round pick. But the Packers did have that opportunity to go back. They did have that extra pick in the fourth round. Mike Daniels comes in a lot less heralded. I mean, a guy that was a game day scratch, I think, in the week two of the season, just didn't have that opportunity. Well, and coming in with an injury as well. Coming he had the shoulder, shoulder surgery and everything at yeah. the end of his college career. Catches fire at the end of the season, has six and a half sacks the next season, and then is on his way from there. It's one small part of the puzzle, but it's one that you definitely can't overlook as well. Yeah, well, we need to talk a little bit more about this whole formula and how they figured <laughs> this out. We'll get to that after the break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair. Wes Hodkowitz in that one. Okay, Wes, this whole compensatory pick formula and how the league figures this stuff out. A lot of projections out there. You can find websites that are you know going to pr- try to predict um, who's going to get what compensatory picks in what round. The general consensus seemed to be that the Packers were going to get a third-round pick because of T.J. Lang, who had signed a contract for around $9 million a year and ended up making a Pro Bowl and all that. But the Packers didn't get a third-round pick. There were only four teams that were awarded a compensatory at the end of the third round, and then the Packers got the first compensatory at the top of the fourth round, which tells you, I would think, if I'm understanding this correctly, that they were really, really close to having that fourth round compensatory pick actually be 32 slots higher right and possibly be at the end of the third round instead it didn't work out that way 
explain maybe how you think this fell and, and why it fell the way it did. Well, here's the part of the thing that I'm not going to be able to explain because the <laughs> NFL Management Council is ultimately the one that decides on these matters, factoring in what we talked about in the last segment, salary, average per year, you know how much the player played, and then also any accolades that player may have had. If this would have been 2017, the Green Bay Packers would have been well in the clear to get a third-round pick for T.J. Lang, 11 compensatory picks in the third round last year. I'm not wow. – it is not privy to me. I don't understand – how they decide the line of demarcation there in terms of where they break. Right. All we know like, is they, they award 32. Right. They, they award 32 compensatory picks, but they can be spread out anywhere from the end of the third through the end of the seventh. Correct. So yeah. this year it's only four in the third round, I think, or five, whatever it ended up being. Yeah. Last year, 11. So the Packers would have comfortably been in that situation, I think would have ended up having the 101st overall pick. It's not the way it worked out, though. So for the Packers' perspective now, they take into account you can only have a max of four compensatory picks. The Packers lost seven guys that can conceivably count towards the formula, but you can't get more than four. So how lost they, seven and gained one. Yes, exactly. So. Um, so however you want to figure that out, I'm not really sure where they you know how they determine what the value is or how much an Eddie Lacy you know contract pushes up a particular round. Whatever the case may be, the, the one thing that probably does hurt for the Packers is that if that six-rounder could have became a fifth-rounder, because, again, they'll be the first team picking from the compensatory process in the sixth round, if that becomes a fifth-rounder, it would be hard to imagine the Packers picking three guys within you know a couple picks of each other in the fifth round, but now that you can leverage that in a trade, that could potentially be bait to move up, and we know the difference in value of all those picks per round. So uh, I, I don't want to say, obviously, the Packers, you know, ended up on the short end of the stick here, but to some extent it does feel like that considering the strength and how productive that, that class of free agents was that they lost. Yeah, and as you said, the, the the compensatory pick in the sixth round was the first one that was awarded for the end of the sixth round, so that one was also very close to, 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 to jumping up right. 32 spots. Um, you know, and uh, and the Packers would, would have a, a shot earlier at another player, but it seems like when you just look at the numbers, and you and I were only looking at them briefly, right. but it would seem like where the NFL drew the line this year for the third rounders for those top compensatory picks, it was guys that signed contracts that averaged $10 million a year or more. Right. And then TJ Lang was just below that $10 million a year mark, and so even though he made the Pro Bowl and whatnot, um, he his essentially compensation ended up being the top pick of the of the fourth round. It is strange, though, to me that you'd have 11 third-round compensatories one year and then only four in the third round the following year. It just – I've said this in our Insider Inbox column. I've kind of given up trying to guess it and trying yeah. to figure out. I just kind of sit back and wait and see what the Packers get. At the end of the day, the Packers got four picks. They have 12 overall in the draft, the seven plus the Laurenti McRae seventh-rounder from a couple years ago, and then the four compensatories, 12 picks. That's a lot to work with. Let the record show I don't think I've ever been right. Uh, in terms of projecting this. And there are some websites, I think Football Outsiders is one of them, that do a really good job of it. But again, they're also basing, because that's one of, the, one of the big projectors this year that thought the Packers were going to get a third-rounder for T.J. Lang, taking into account how many third-rounders were divvied out a year ago. Right, I think right. the closest I probably have been is guessing fourth-rounders for Tremont Williams and Devon House. But there were other years where I thought the Packers were going to get much more. You look at Casey Hayward, end up having a Pro Bowl season. Yeah. 
his contract though didn't really allow that to jump past a fifth rounder. Um, so it's, it's things like that that you have to take into account. As I said, it is kind of a mystery in terms of how they go about figuring these things out. What we do know, though, at this point in time, the Packers, with those four picks, will have a lot of leverage for Brian Gutekunst in this upcoming draft. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit more about just where the Packers are positioned and yeah. how uh, how the new GM might be able to use that. We'll uh, talk about that after the break, back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here, Wes Hodkowitz over there. Okay, Wes, so the Packers have 12 picks in this upcoming draft. A lot of focus, obviously, will be on the first-round pick because the Packers are picking 14th in the first round, and they have not had a pick this high in the first round since 2009 when B.J. Raji was drafted with the number 9 overall pick. This is a very interesting position for a brand-new general manager to be in. The Packers have not been in this in this position for a long time to get a player in the top half of the first round. Just your thoughts on kind of where the Packers are situated here and how this might play out. So many parallels, Mike, between 2008 going into 2009 and now the Packers going into 2018. You were obviously covering the team back then, the Packers, coming off a disappointing year defensively. Mike McCarthy overhauls the defensive coaching staff, and it begins with Dom Capers coming in and installing the 3-4 defense. Ted Thompson, right on board with everything. Gets Mike McCarthy, gets Dom Capers the nose tackle they needed at the ninth overall pick. End up setting up one of the better run defensive stretches the Packers have had in recent memory with him, Ryan Pickett, and the other players there. And then also, Ted Thompson, the only time he did it, trading back into the first round to take Clay Matthews. The Packers get their pass rusher, a defensive player of the year candidate right off the bat for Green Bay, obviously now becomes a six-time Pro Bowl linebacker. There are a lot of parallels now with Mike Pettin coming in here. Now, we'll have to see which direction they go with this pick. Packers haven't taken an offensive player in some time. Could this be a year to do it? We'll have to see, but... To be picking 14th overall, and I thought Cliff Crystal on our website did a wonderful job of really explaining the challenges that Ted Thompson had. When you really go back and look at it, when you're picking outside of the top 15, and I believe it was 11 of 13 drafts, that's difficult to do. The bullseye, you're, you're stepping farther and farther back. So trying to hit that becomes significantly more difficult. Brian Gutekunst said it right from the day that he stepped up in his introductory press conference as the new GM. This is an opportunity, an unfortunate opportunity, but it is an opportunity to re-energize the team and find some more prospects higher in the draft rather than having to project out you know, further down the line. Yeah, and you and I had talked about this last year on a couple of our road trips going to cover the team when you looked at last year's Green Bay Packers defense and all of the all of the players who were involved, the highest draft pick the Packers had on the field on defense at any time last year was the 21st overall pick, yeah. and that was HaHa Clinton Dix right. from 2014. Obviously, going back a couple years, Julius Peppers, you know, had been a very high draft pick when he was selected, and uh, you go back a couple more years, and BJ Raji was obviously on the team. This last year, you look, you look at 2017 when when the highest guy picked out of anybody who's playing defense for you is at 21st overall. That's going to catch up with you at some yeah. point. That's just the way this league is. the the, the league is the league is built for parity. It's built for the the inverse draft order as uh, as we talked about. So 
this is a this is a huge opportunity for the Packers. Now that being said, doesn't mean they're going to pick defense at at number yeah. fourteen overall. Certainly no no guarantee in that regard. But uh, um, but it's going to make you know go, everything going on with the combine and everything leading up to the draft. There isn't there isn't going to be quite as much uncertainty necessarily about who's going to be there. There's still going to be some when you're at 14, but as opposed to being at 25 or 28 or something like that, where you just have no idea who right. might be on the board at that point. Being at 14, the Packers will have a, a little bit better idea of who they might have to choose from at that spot, assuming that that Gutekunst decides to stay there. Yes, and it is Gutekunst. You know, it's his job to move the chess pieces how he wants. If it was me in that role, though, I'd be really tempted to stay there because this is an opportunity that you haven't had to pick that high, to have a chance to find a real difference maker. Because you know, Mike, there's 22 positions on the starting on the field at any given time. There's only 14 picks, 13 <laughs> guys ahead of you. It's a really good chance to potentially get maybe the best player at their position as far as a prospect. I think that's really enticing. One thing that did kind of frustrate me at times with Insider Inbox, and I tried to you know, be as mature and professional about it as possible, is a lot of people saying this past year, well, why don't the Packers have a defense like Jacksonville? Why don't they have Jalen Ramsey in their secondary? Well, two reasons for that. <laughs> Jacksonville for years was significantly under the cap, which allowed them to sign Calais Campbell, which allowed them to sign Malik Jackson. And then also due to some of their losing seasons, were able to be third, fourth, fifth overall to yeah. get a Jalen Ramsey. When you're picking higher, it's a lot easier to find those difference makers. Derek Barnett this past year, Philadelphia Eagles, 7-9 and nine a year ago, Super Bowl champions now, makes one of the biggest plays of the game in recovering that fumble off the one-hop. Eagles win the Super Bowl. 14th pick overall. We'll see what happens with this year's. Yeah, you definitely it's you definitely don't want to miss on it. That's for sure. Right. And and as you said, this goes back to you know the transition with the coaching staff, Mike Pettin coming in. He's going to be giving Mike McCarthy and Brian Gutekunst some ideas as to as to what he's looking for. Now, if that player is there, maybe they take him. But there's also you know as we'll talk about leading up to the draft, you start thinking about wide receiver and tight end and offensive tackle and those types of things that you know positions you can never seem to have enough guys. Right. So that's why you know you, you always tr- focus on that you know that that best player available mentality because you don't want to leave that best player for somebody else to pick just because you're looking to to fill a slot. And whatever the Packers do with that 14th overall pick, it's good to keep in mind they'll also have the 14th pick in the second round as well. Yeah, no doubt. With that, uh, Wes, let's take care of a little sponsor business. Today's a perfect day to fill up with some new Campbell's Chunky Max soup. Chunky Max is loaded with more meat than you can handle. A lot more. We're talking 40 percent more. Then a comparable chunky soup, so go on, fill up with new Campbell's Chunky Max Soup. Campbell's Chunky Soup, the official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford alongside Wes Hodkowitz. And Wes, one more point I wanted to make following up on what we were just talking about. You mentioned the Packers having, obviously, the 14th pick in the second round as well. You look at that, that's actually going to be number 45 overall. Just for comparison's sake, Jason Spriggs, the Packers drafted him in the second round at 48th overall, and Ted Thompson had to trade up to get to that spot at 48th overall. The Packers are going to have the 45th pick, in the second round, and that's a spot they own. They don't have to necessarily give up another pick to get that. So again, just where you're positioned here, this is a this is a unique and different opportunity for Green Bay. 
But with that, I also want to follow up. You were talking in the last segment about the Jacksonville Jaguars and their defense. They made some news over this past weekend on the offensive side because they signed their quarterback, quarterback Blake Bortles, to a, a a contract extension. A lot of people wondering just what Jacksonville was going to do at the quarterback position. What are your thoughts on their decision here? I think it was smart because if you look at exactly the numbers on this contract, he was going to be getting the fifth-year option. They already had done that a year ago. Right. So he had one more year left, and it was going to be a pretty significant cap number for them uh, based on where he was picked, third overall a number of seasons ago. So by doing the extension, not only does it lower the cap number for this year, but it really didn't, guaranteed-wise, I think it only increased the guarantees by like 6 or $7 million because that fifth-year option is fully guaranteed for, for skill and injury. So this is just a really interesting spot now for the Jaguars because – now they have some time to figure out if Bortles is the man, is going to be the guy that leads their franchise going forward. And it also is a really good reminder, again, of what you can do when you have a year or two left on a contract to leverage it, as opposed to what happened with Jimmy Garoppolo and what in a couple of weeks will happen with Kirk Cousins yeah. when there is no room to leverage it and you're going to have to have all that money up front. Yeah, well, and we've seen what happened with Kirk Cousins. He ended up not only getting the franchise tag because his contract had expired, but then they still didn't work out a long-term deal and then they franchise tagged him again and now Washington got in the position where franchise tagging him a third time financially it's prohibitive yeah so they had to make a move and they made the move to get Alex Smith and now Kirk Cousins is is the the top guy out there on the free agent market at quarterback it is and Alex Smith I think set a record for the amount of guaranteed money in a contract as well so it just tells you Mike the more you kick a can down the road what the <laughs> ramifications of that are but hey good for Kirk Cousins he's a fourth round pick and now he's going to get paid yeah look at that but with that we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>